We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the October 18th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper is here with me. We're going to preview all the games in week seven. Derek, if, if the Vikings finally roll with Dalvin Cook, are you rolling with him on your fantasy team? If he's active, yes, I, I think there's something going on with him where it's just kind of like, okay, they, they're not going to have him active. They're not going to use him. Probably impacts special teams, just the basic roster management that teams worry about. Um, so with Dalvin Cook, I mean, it sounded like he was close to playing last week. I kind of assumed he was playing last week, and when he didn't, it opened up a big opportunity for everybody uh, DFS-wise with Latavius Murray and in season-long leagues where he was available. He became uh, kind of an immediate plug-and-play option as well, but um, I would assume if he's active that he is safe to use in the case of Dalvin Cook. All right, so last week when we thought he was going to be active, and by the way, he practiced fully on Wednesday. Uh, when we thought Cook was going to be active, the word we heard Sunday morning was he's probably going to split snaps with Murray. 
does that if you hear the same thing this Sunday morning, does that change your calculus at all? I mean, you, right now you're saying he's active. I play him. If you hear split snaps, do you go, uh, like what now? What I know it's a bye week. I know it's all context based, but but then what? So that's the big difference. We got a lot of teams, um, more teams on bye this week, and and, and with Cook, I, I still think he'd be the lead back, even if it were split. It'd be probably sixty forty favoring him. Uh, I think he's the more talented of the two backs. And as far as the matchup goes, I mean, the Jets defense as a whole, not one that you look at and say, well, they're going to completely lock down Minnesota's offense. I think Minnesota creates some pretty unique problems for defenses to try to slow them down against the run. The Giants are one of those middle of the pack teams, you know, 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, They've allowed eight carries of 20 plus yards. and that's the second highest total in the league. So there's probably enough there even in a 50-60% role, which again, I assume it's more like 60, for Delvin Cook to still be very viable uh, if that's their plan, stated or unstated, going into this week. All right. Folks, before we get to all the games, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Hoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, and you can always link, like us on Facebook where uh, Tim Haney does some uh, Q&As and things like that. You should check them out. All right. For week seven, the buys, as we talked about, Steelers, Raiders, Seahawks, Packers. Let's start with tonight's Broncos-Cardinals game. I have one league where I kind of have to start Royce Freeman, but I'm certainly not happy about it. And I think the thing that makes me the least happy here is not the freeman Lindsay share, but Booker worming his way into this mess. Generally... Are you trying to avoid these Bronco backs? I have the highest one I have ranked. I actually have Lindsay at 23rd this week, but I think that's too high, and I think Freeman should probably be a little higher. I think it is kind of a an ugly situation in Denver just because even with with just two, you know, you look at those guys, and it, it's it's seemingly even more of a potential of a full-on 50-50 than like in Minnesota. Like in Minnesota, if that happens, it's because of Dalvin Cook's health, and it fades away eventually. With the, with the situation in Denver, I don't really feel like they're making a decision to go one way or the other. I, I don't know if it's an ongoing job battle, but look, look at the percentage of snap counts the last few weeks. When you go back last week against the Rams, Freeman had 38% of the snaps, Booker 33, Lindsey 30. In week five, Freeman 38, Lindsey 30, or I should say Freeman 39, Lindsey 38, Booker 29. Uh, against the Chiefs, which different sort of game script, of course, with what Chiefs do offensively. Lindsey 40, Booker 33, Freeman 27. But yeah, when you have Booker between 29 and 33%, it takes an already crowded situation and just makes it worse. Now for the season, it's 35 for Freeman on average, 34 for Lindsey on average, and 32 for Booker on average, which is just disgusting. It's a mess. It's a disaster. All right. Um other thing in this game is Fitz a drop at this point. Are we done with him? Lost season. Forget it. Uh, that that see yeah. this offense is so bad, and and this is part of the reason why. If you had to start Royce Freeman this week, I don't think it's the worst possible timeshare situation to have to play someone from, because Arizona has struggled to stay on the field. Like they're among the worst teams in points per play on offense. They don't sustain drives and their opponents get more opportunities to run plays against them. As far as efficiency goes, 4.4 yards per carry, but they've allowed a league guide 10 rushing TDs this season. Uh, Josh Rosen could help to pull things back in the right direction for Fitz. 
I mean, it, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. A player like Larry Fitzgerald makes the job of Josh Rosen a lot easier. And I think it's it's kind of an open question as to how much in the first few games that, that Josh Rosen started against Seattle and San Francisco, how much did they dumb down the game plan like unnecessarily for him compared to what they were doing to begin the season with Bradford. Like a lot of times coaches are afraid to let rookies do the things that they are supposed to do. Like Mitchell Trubisky last year in Chicago is probably the most extreme example of that that I can remember. So at least with Rosen, we did see a season high in attempts, got to 31 last week against Minnesota. Maybe that's a defense that's starting to round back into form, even if they're not elite. Maybe that was a pretty good test of where he's at right now. Um, so I'm looking at this as like another reasonably tough matchup, but Rosen being at home, Fitz seems like the kind of guy that you'd want to lean on. If you're gonna, even if you're going to throw it 28 times, why wouldn't you try to get that ball to Larry Fitzgerald maybe a third of the time? Like I think that's where it makes it, it in a PPR league especially, it's still really hard to cut him because you could see him quickly being the volume guy he's always been with that change at quarterback a few weeks ago. Uh, it just with that week to week consistency that we're so accustomed to seeing from him. I don't know. I mean, six weeks in, I'm having a hard time. I understand how it could happen. We've seen it from before, and it makes sense that that a rookie quarterback would lean on him. I just feel like I don't want to wait to see it happen anymore. Yeah, seven, three, and eight for the targets the last three weeks with Rosen. So I mean, two of the three games at least closer to the to the expect you know expectations right. we've grown accustomed to. But usually. It's like 10 targets a game for Fitz these last couple of years because they're they're so light on viable pass catchers otherwise. Last year with David Johnson's injury, of course, probably bumped up that volume even more. But I I have a hard time letting Larry Fitzgerald go right now unless you're just desperate because of other problems on your roster or you know, some, some kind of complex sort of scenario. All right. Next up, Titans-Chargers, uh, 9.30 a.m. Sunday, by the way. Don't forget to set your lineups early, everybody. 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday in London. Uh, we, we can't, again, context. We, we can't really start Henry or Lewis until further notice, can we? Probably probably not Henry, especially, which is, is so weird. I mean, for as, as early as people were drafting both of these backs, it's it's been a hard bust for the the offense as a whole. And there was that one flash in week four where Mariota looked like he was healthy and going to be productive again against the Eagles. And that's quickly faded these last two weeks against the Bills and Ravens. Uh, the workload that we were getting from Henry earlier in the season, the 10-18-18 stretch over the first three, has been followed with 8-11-7. He played 12 snaps against the Ravens. I mean, like that's that's been the concern all along is that with Lewis there, Henry could become obsolete. I thought with their offensive line, the running game was still going to be a big part of what they wanted to do. And I thought he was even a buy low after the first few weeks. But clearly that's been uh, a terrible idea to this point. Uh, I think if I'm cutting one, I'm more likely to cut Henry because Lewis is at least on the field a lot more. And this mm-hmm. is a team that's got some flaws and teams with flaws often are playing catch up. So if they're playing catch up a lot, Lewis is out there to catch some passes. I think he's the, the only one I would be rostering in a 12-team league out of those two backs right now. Yeah, I mean, Henry snap shares gone. It was 39-39-27 the last three weeks. It's bad. Um, this is I don't get it. Big Could be biggest. I'd have to, at some point, maybe closer to midseason, we'll do the biggest bust, but Henry's got to be way up there. Um, the other one in this game, um, can we agree don't get sucked into the Tyrell Williams recent performance? Don't chase. Targets aren't there. 
Did you see the Matthew yeah. Berry rant, by the way? <laughs> no, I didn't. But you did No, I, I. You know what? Um, he's he's awesome as far as our industry pioneers go, but I, he's not a a must listen or a must read for me. He never really got into that that range for me. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what it is that's kept me from that. All right. So so he has this. Just you'll you'll find it. It's about two minutes. He did on the, their Tuesday morning pod. I think it was in Fishbowl that on. Uh, this week, he was down by 0.1 going into Monday night, and he had Alfred Morris. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Alfred, how was Alfred Morris not going to get 0.1? That n- nobody all week even suggested that all of a sudden Raheem Mostert was going to play and Alfred Morris was going to get one snap. And, oh, by the way, the other guy started Tyrell Williams. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. So the the uh, the Mostert thing was funny, too, because I was um, I was building a, a single game, a showdown lineup on DraftKings and I needed a punt. Right. I was looking through all the like the under under three K guys. And I'm like, OK, of, of these of these random guys that will be active and could play some snaps who will be ignored and who actually has some sort of like physical skills that in the right circumstances, like if they get touches, if they get snaps, they could actually do something. Most of it was the dart that I threw. So I, I I felt pretty good about that, seeing how it played out. But even even in that mindset, even in the what could go right for Mostert mindset, I thought, well, Alfred Morris is going to play at least while the game's close. Right. And if it gets out of hand, Mostert's going to catch passes and maybe he'll get a couple series anyways. Like that, that was as far as I was willing to go. But um, yeah, Morris not in the game plan at all. And I guess... I'm guilty of this, and maybe other people did it too, but I thought when, when Morris looked good in the preseason, the familiarity with Cal Shanahan, I thought that mattered a lot. And I thought it mattered despite the fact that he is in no way like Jarek McKinnon. I mean, Raheem Mostert is more like Jarek McKinnon. Matt Breida is a lot like Jarek McKinnon in terms of uh, skill set and, and physical makeup and build and everything. So I think what I, I lost sight of was that they signed Morris really late. And nobody else signed Morris before that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the priority of making Alfred, Alfred Morris a regular part of their offense is is probably lower than we all would in the fantasy community want to believe based on things he's done for fantasy players in the past. Like It, it looked like there was still something there last year, 4.8 yards per carry. He's getting 3.7 so far this year. He's not terrible, but he doesn't fit their scheme at all if they were the team willing to pay up all that money for Jarek McKinnon in free agency. So maybe it's more about evaluating guys like Mostert who could be on the roster as backups in the future as opposed to running Alfred Morris out there and giving him a dozen or 15 carries a game knowing that he is not going to be on this team in 2019. Yeah, I think people got sucked into the Morris Shanahan connection. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I did. I think I absolutely did. And it's it's a stupid sort of mistake when you look back on it in hindsight, but um, yeah, I, I just I, I think that's why he disappeared from the game plan too. Is it, it's coming down to the situation where their their season's sort of falling into the lost direction very quickly with all the injuries they've had. The Jimmy G injury was the big one. Uh, I mean, it happened with McKinnon too back during camp, but the the Jimmy G injury basically put them out of the playoff picture this season. And I think that changes how you manage a team from week to week. And if we believe that Kyle Shanahan's a smart coach, and I, I certainly believe that, he's going to use 
the playing time he has as a, a valuable sort of currency to evaluate his talent for the future in a way that is proper. Um, if this were Mike McCarthy in this same situation, Alfred Morris would have had 18 carries. So <laughs> maybe part of my dopey reasoning is, you know, McCarthy, like, I don't know, like, like something getting into the groundwater and making you sick. Like McCarthy being on my mind all the time is poisoning my mind. It is. It really is. I, I'd have to concur. Really, really. I mean, he's just, you, you guys just obsess and it's terrible. It makes me assume that people are all stupid. Like that anyone making a decision has to be stupid because right. he's so stupid. All right. So there you go on that one. Um, Bill's Colts. Uh, T.Y. Hilton practice Wednesday for the Colts. It's a good sign. Derek Anderson starts for the Bills. Do we think Derek Anderson's worse? Now, I have my own opinions on Derek Anderson. But do you think Derek Anderson's particularly worse than Josh Allen? No, no, I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a, a Josh Allen skeptic, but I, I say that um, acknowledging fully that Buffalo's supporting cast on offense is horrible. Like it, it's, I think it looks like an expansion team when yeah. I watch the Bills' offense. Like I, I I'm reminded of. Uh, David Carr getting just murdered behind the Texans offensive line in year one of that franchise's existence. That's that's what I see when I watch the Bills right now. Um, I, Anderson is is going to be competent. I think because like Brock Osweiler and, and Albert Wilson uh, helped someone win the Millionaire Maker last week, that people are going to be a very small number of people are going to say, you know what? I'm on Anderson and Kelvin Benjamin this week. And I think a lot of people are on Benjamin. I mean, they, they're, they're, a lot of people are on Benjamin. I tweeted this out yesterday. You, if you go back and look at, at the handful of starts that Anderson made while those two guys were, were in Carolina, you know, Kelvin Benjamin was heavily targeted. He was probably a lot better at playing football in, in 2014 and even yes. 2016 than he is now. So, you know, Kelvin Benjamin has changed. Does that matter that much, though? Anderson still might lean on him because they do have that past history of playing together. Like that's, that's fair. I mean, it's kind of like Benjamin Zay Jones or, or shady. Like who do you want to throw to out of those three guys? I guess you could throw Charles clay a little bit too, if you wanted to, but do you look at the, the 10 targets per game that Kelvin Benjamin averaged over the three full starts that he had with Derek Anderson in Carolina and think, yeah, Kelvin Benjamin is actually going to be a high volume play that you want in season long and or DFS lineups this week at what is a very low price. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm out on that whole thing. My my <laughs> my thing on Derek Anderson is that f- f- four or five years ago, he was maybe the best backup quarterback in the league. Like the year the Panthers their first their division title in 2014, he actually pl- had to play a couple of games for Cam Newton, and he filled in and he did reasonably well and won. I think in the last year or two, he started he faded. I don't think he's the same guy. Let's put it that okay. way. I think there's a reason they let him not be their backup anymore because they really liked him here. And there's a reason they kind of went, you know what? I think this this has run its course. All right. Um, because they're back. it's not like they got a superstar backup now. So that that's why I'm very, you know, I, I, I am ready to, f- I will tell you right now, actually, looking at my rankings, I have the Colts defense right behind the Jaguars. Okay. I mean, uh, I mean they they oh. they uh, they have been a better defense this year than than people realize. Nineteen sacks. Yep. Um, so they they're getting some pressure. You know, six interceptions. They've forced a few turnovers. The the other side of that is that they've been 
generous in terms of efficiency. The Colts allow the same YPA to opposing passing attacks, 7.9 yards per attempt, uh, as the Chiefs. So that's the other side of the coin. You know, like they 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 seem like at times they show up and play really well. And if, if the logic on Anderson that you're you're throwing out there, I mean, there wasn't a coaching change that caused him to leave Carolina, right? Sometimes backup quarterbacks leave because they don't fit the system and right. coach change something like that. That didn't happen here. So uh, it, it, I, I'm fine with people not looking at this situation and going, it's obvious Kelvin Benjamin must be in your lineup this week because I don't think it's obvious. His usage now, which I pointed out in the same tweet, is like five and a half targets per game over the last three weeks like or last four weeks. you got to be really careful with, with players that aren't getting the volume they used to and have situations that have completely changed. Yep. All right. Pat's Bears, uh, Khalil Mack ankle day-to-day. Keep an eye on that one because that could alter the complexion of this game. I got to tell you, you talk DFS and I'm not, you know, I'm a very casual DFS player. You know, some weeks you just look and you go, that's the guy. That's the guy that's going to help me. Jordan Howard is that guy for me this week. The Bears are, the, I love the Bears in this game and I, I love Jordan Howard here. If you have been frustrated with Jordan Howard, I think this is the week your prayers get answered. Well, uh, I, I thought it was going to be Jordan Howard last week. And then when I took a closer look at the numbers, a lot of what Miami has given up this season to opposing running backs, and the Dolphins last week, of course, uh, has been to uh, passing to the running backs. It's been running backs out in space, catching passes. I think, a lot, I think Kiko Alonso was a guy that uh, Evan Silva mentioned in his column. And I, I started thinking about Cohen and, and Matt Nagy and how, Nagy will definitely scheme with that personnel pretty effectively. And I, I made a pretty big adjustment. I, I went from Howard to Cohen very quickly because the, the way you get those running back points in a timeshare, I think, can dictate what you want to do. With Jordan Howard, I think he is a good player. Like I, And I think I get caught between season long and DFS. I get caught kind of with the baseball mentality. I mean, you've, you've played a lot of fantasy baseball, so you... You, you probably have a lot of patience in yes. fantasy baseball. And does that carry over into how you play fantasy football? Too much, yes. And for me, it also bleeds into how I play DFS, which is very bad because it it leads you to it leads you to keep doing things in a season long mindset in a game that's not season long at all. Like you're you're just looking for the, like in in, the, in a basic lineup, you're just looking for the most stable players at the most affordable prices it's very simple but with jordan howard i keep looking at him like he's better than this he's better than this that's what i kept saying with derrick henry too and i'm not saying howard's going down the exact same path but i lost money on derrick henry for a few weeks before i said wait a minute this team's not what i thought it was and there wasn't that much margin for error for him anyway because of the way that timeshare is built the thing i'm worried about with jordan howard is that after being pretty involved in the passing game, especially those first two weeks, nine targets against the Packers and Seahawks, he's only had four targets over the last three games. Mm-hmm. Game script was weird in game four. Uh, that was the, the Bucks matchup where they blew him out. But that eroding away really does change the floor for Jordan Howard for me in a way where I'm, I'm less confident in him now than I was to begin the season when I thought people were making a mistake by waiting until the end of round two, beginning of round three to draft him. Okay. 
Um, I hope you're wrong, but we'll see. I, I mean, I, I hope I am too for <laughs> for all the Jordan Howard owners out there. But I'm I'm just trying to basically eliminate my own blind spots and figure out where exactly they're coming from. But yep. I think as someone who's played a lot of fantasy baseball, my 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 stubbornness in some cases, or or, my, or just being or actual patience. It might not be stubbornness. It might be waiting for something in that sport to become more stable. You know, the, the the number of plate appearances you need is significant compared to the number of games you have to work with in football. Like it, it just it changes so quickly in football. Yes, and and I am definitely I, I have actually said on this show that I have been guilty of playing football too much like baseball and being too patient with people, and not just being too patient with people, but on the other end, looking looking at players who have good games and dismissing them as flukes. Just like I would in baseball, you know, I look at a guy in baseball has three good starts, a pitcher, and I go, and I look at his background, I go, he's not good, so I'm not going to waste my time. And and in football, that that hurts when you do that too much. It hurts more. Um, other thing in this game, speaking of patience, time to go, Josh Gordon owners, right? Time to roll. He's in for you. He's in for me, absolutely. If, uh, yeah, you're living that Josh Gordon lifestyle, yeah, I mean, got to 63 snaps. I think there were a lot of plays run in that game, so everybody's snaps were probably up. But uh, nine targets, five for 42, that, that's that's closer to what we're looking for. And I still think we have to lower the ceiling, but I do believe that we're in that sweet spot right now with a few more bye week games to where we, we can look at Gordon and probably throw him out there and think he's a top 35-ish receiver, which, again, just kind of makes the cut as either a flex or your third receiver. I, I'm I'm more bullish than you. I, I didn't know if we'd get to the point we're at now. But now that we have that, that he's playing and he's in. Now, look, Josh Gordon could disappear next week again. It could be, you know, hey, by the way, guys, the Pats cut him and there's another problem. Like, I, I don't trust him one bit. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I don't. Tr- I mean, you can't. But... I keep remembering last year with the minimal time he played and the numbers weren't huge, but after the games he played, the corners would come out and they didn't read the corner after the game. They would go, what do you say about, think about Josh Gordon? They go, Oh, he's the best receiver I played against all year. I mean, it was just, you know, effusive praise. And this was last mm-hmm. year when not much happened. I, I feel like if he's close to that guy, which he probably is, then I think big things might be coming. Like, I, I think ne- now that we've gotten to the point where the Pats are integrating him, I think big things are coming. I didn't know if we'd get here, and it might have been stubborn to hold on till we got here. But now that we're here, I, I, I think we're, we're I think we're going to see some good things. One thing that I think has changed with Gordon um, from even just where it was a week ago is I think some of the routes that he was running, some of those targets came closer to the line of scrimmage. Like that, that to me is a good thing because it's not just well, we know you can you can burn somebody deep, so go downfield and we'll throw it to somebody else underneath. I think they're they're starting to use him in more ways where it, it just looks like he's he's up to speed with more of the things they want him to do. I mentioned you know the offensive plays running that that Patriots Chiefs game, which was awesome by the way. Eighty one percent of the snaps is what Gordon played. Mm-hmm. Philip Dorsett went from a season low sixty one in the week five to four yep. percent in that game against Kansas City. So it's come at Dorsett's uh, at Dorsett's expense. Not a huge surprise there. Uh, the depth they have right now with with Hogan you know, being kind of the third guy, Edelman being back, it's impressive. And I think 
I, I just look at the Bears every week and I think, okay, what can what can this team, what can this offense do to slow down the Bears' pass rush? How can how can New England kind of take Khalil Mack and make him less of a factor? And I think a big part of that's going to be getting rid of the ball quickly. So it's going to be a lot of stuff after the catch. Uh, I think Julian Edelman's going to have a ton of targets in this game, like uh, maybe a season high in targets for Edelman. Uh, not 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 just like looking backwards, but even looking forward. This could just be one of those like 15 target Edelman games this week. All right. Uh, next up, Panthers Eagles. This oh by the way, real quick, Josh Gordon's 20th in the RotoWire projections this week. Just so we uh, wide receiver. Speaking of wide receiver projections. After last, are we good? I, I, Alshon Jeffries, as far as the Eagle receivers, Jeffries a must start. The others are very much maybes. Which running back do you prefer in this game? I think for now, it's Wendell Smallwood by a small margin. Um, and I think it's really difficult to, to know how much of the 62-37 snap count split Favoring Smallwood was the result of Clement coming off that injury last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a bye coming up in week nine. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Smallwood kind of has the edge. Maybe it's 55-45 or 60-40 these next couple of weeks. And if they believe Corey Clement's the better player, maybe they flip it in week 10 after he gets that extra rest. I think Smallwood gets the higher rank, higher usage projection for me. But it's small. Uh, the gap is, is, is narrow. And I think... It's really frustrating because I think when it comes down to how they're going to handle targets, I think it flips a little bit. And I think they have so many other ways they can attack teams that, like Clement getting involved as a pass catcher, doesn't necessarily mean he's getting steady work in that facet either. Like it might just be a, a very limited contribution. Okay, uh, Rotowire projections: Clement twenty third, Smallwood thirtieth in standard. Um, another guy I want to talk about real quick. Someone I've sort of come around on is Devin Funches. So I I have been cautioning all year that there's too many mouths to feed in the Panthers offense. And now that they're trying to incorporate DJ Moore more often and Curtis Samuels back and Greg Olson's back from injury that I go, you know what? There's just so much there. There's so many people. But then I look at Funches and I see the pace he's on, right? Let me just real quick look at this. So... I see the pace he's on, which is basically, uh, let's see, per game basis, it's 4.6. So over 70 catches, right? 75, close to 75, close to 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, if we wanted more than that, we were being greedy, right? Yeah, I don't think he's much better as a player than than that sort of, of ceiling. I think the thing about Funchess that is is probably the most impressive to me. I'm looking at the team trends page over on Rotowire right now, and the Panthers, for as many receivers as they use, they have a kind of clear hierarchy in how they use them in terms of snaps played. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's one of the most clean week to week distributions, in part because I think the the bulk of these guys have been healthy all year. But Funchess has led the Panthers in snap percentage at wide receiver every single week this season. Mm-hmm. Torrey Smith has been second every single week this season. And it's, it's just kind of like, okay, this is the order. Uh, Jarius Wright has been third 
in snap count, I believe, every single week this season, except for like week three, DJ Moore crept up. And it's it's the cleanest, like, this guy's the one, this guy's the two, this guy's the three, based on snap counts that I've seen so far this year. So Funchess being at the top of that, maybe he's the only one that you can even trust. But I think he has kind of quietly raised the floor uh, quite a bit over these first six weeks of the season. Yep. So yeah, he saw, I mean, this week, the Rotowire projection is 727th, and that's fine. I mean, it's not spectacular, but you weren't asking for spectacular. You were drafting him in the seventh or eighth round as your third receiver. So, all good. Lions, Dolphins. Um, Osweiler starts again. Uh, do you chase Albert Wilson or not? Yeah, it's kind of, it seems like it's hard not to, doesn't it? I mean, the problem I see here is that they, they, they don't really, they don't strike me as a team that will be able to trick everybody again mm-hmm. that same way. I mean, that just as easily could have been Kenny Stills, right? Like, what, yes. there's no, there's no compelling reason to think that what Albert Wilson did in Week Six could not have been done by by Kenny Stills. Agreed. And Kenny I mean, Stills is still playing. I mean, he, he's on the field every down. And, and those were short passes that that Wilson turned into big plays right so i i just i think you know it's it's great it's 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 the fun sort of variance that you can you can uh profit from in in dfs when you guess right on it but prior to last week you know six and six targets the previous two games two five and four weeks three two and one that's still a situation especially with brock osweiler that i'm very skeptical of in general yep um, I agree. Uh, the Rotowire projections have Wilson at wide receiver 37. Um, what do you do with these running backs after last week? I mean, you look at it, and and Drake, it's weird. Drake's on the field more than Gore, but Gore's pretty darn productive. Yeah, the Gore thing, I didn't see this coming. I thought this was just kind of like a homecoming for him and an opportunity to get one one last season out there to carry the ball five times a game and be a, a veteran leader in the locker room. That That's what I thought they brought him in for, but he's had a lot more value than expected. And, and Detroit's been bad enough against the run where I think that's where Miami is going to yeah, really try and, and leverage an advantage this week is, is just trying to use both Gore and Kenyon Drake in tandem to break down to Detroit defense. It's been given up more than five yards per carry this season. Like you do that, you take the ball out of Brock Osweiler's hands I think that makes you a better team this week in this matchup. All right. Um. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Vikings, Jets. The Vikings are such an easy team. We talked about Cook already. You're starting Rudolph if you have him. You're starting the receivers if you have him. You're starting Cousins if you have him. I mean, there's really... It's it's hard for us, I think, to... I mean, there's not much for us to say about the Vikings fantasy-wise. They're good, 
but there's 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 not much insight we can provide people, right? Like the guy, you you have the guys you're playing them, and that's that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it right now. I mean, I, I think unless they they run into an elite defense or something, you're just not really adjusting downward all that much. And then the Jets are a, a weird team where, in a case you know where Isaiah Crowella's out, Bilal Powell becomes a lot more valuable when they're both out there. I, I don't know. Are, are people going to be chasing and, and overestimating the production from Isaiah Crowell every week because of what he did two weeks ago? Now, like, is that is that just going to be a thing? I think you. I think you want to because he get when he the workload is decent, right? So you you want to look. I mean, if you, if you're looking for, I mean, a, a flexi running back in a standard format, I mean, Crowell gets. I mean, gets the ball. Right, I mean, he, he doesn't. I mean, you look at the snap. We look at snap percentage here on the team trends page, and it's not high. It's less than fifty percent every single game. But he gets the ball. I mean, if, if you got a running back, hey, he, he's going to get the ball 10, 12, 15 times. You go, hmm, okay, I can live with that, right? I I think it's kind of more like the Derrick Henry workload than mm-hmm. than we all want to admit, though, and, and that it it might mean that Crowell is a little bit overrated overpriced right now in our minds and henry's a little bit underrated or underpriced in our minds like are, are the titans and jets like radically different teams no in terms of quality like i yeah i don't i don't think they are either and then i mean Crowell shredded the lions and the broncos those were the two big games right yeah so you look and say okay well the, those teams have been bad against the run are they bad against the run only in that instance or have they been beat by other people the Broncos, you know, gave up 18 carries, 65 yards, and touchdown to Marshawn Lynch. Pretty basic game there. Alex Collins, 1861, 18 for 68 at TD. Following week, normal. That's what you'd expect. The matchup against the Chiefs, week four, 19 for 121 and a score. Correll for 219 on 15 carries and a touchdown. Plus Powell, 20 for 99. And then Gurley got Denver last week, 28 for 208. I mean, a. a Hunt and, and Gurley in particular are, are tough matchups, but they've been giving up a lot even in other spots, either TDs or yardage. Even Chris Carson, 7 for 51 in week one. I mean, limited carries, but that Denver is leaking badly against running backs. Matt Breida got the Lions for 138 on 11 in week two after Crowell got him for 102 on 10 carries in the opener. And week three... The Patriots didn't do a lot against them. Zeke ripped up the Lions in week four. And then, of course, your Green Bay Packers uh, <laughs> decided to chop the pie and do you know, the, they, they made the backfield pizza a little too small for everybody and didn't get much going. But Aaron Jones was seven for 40 against that defense. So who knows what Aaron Jones might have done with, I don't know, 15 plus carries in that game. All right. I'm rating you in right now on the Packers stuff. Stop it. <laughs> It needs to stop. I, I, I admit it's not good for me. I need to just not <laughs> care not anymore. I see. I see your eyes bulging out of your head. Like you're just envisioning this, so it's, it's bad. It's it's very bad. But um, I, my my point, even though I went way off track to to make <laughs> the point, uh, I don't think Crowell single handedly his big games are the reasons why Denver and Detroit are bottom five run defenses. Like. Right. I think they're genu- like they're generally bad run defenses, and that makes me a little skeptical of Isaiah Crowell. Okay, let's go to Browns Bucks. 
So if we use our handy-dandy defense versus position analyzer on therotowire.com, we see that the Buccaneers are pretty clearly the worst team against opposing tight ends, and we see that David Njoku has 23 targets over the last two weeks. Um, Jackpot, right? Yes. Uh, Ever since Baker Mayfield took over as the starter, Njoku's target volume has gone up. And it's been pretty stable to this point. I think he's one of those guys at tight end that offers a lot anyway. But this matchup in particular just raises the ceiling to at least one of the highest levels we'll see, if not the highest level we'll see from him all season long. So I absolutely love him season long and in DFS. Uh, Probably going to be very popular in DFS. But I think if you're a David Njoku owner, you are very happy having a tight end who's had seven or more targets in all but one game this season and now 29 of the last three weeks, Mayfield starting. All right. Mayfield ranks 17th in the road wire projections, by the way, because the Bucks have been a soft defense. Um, you okay to roll with uh, with Peyton Barber in this one? Are you feeling comfortable with that? The workload's fine. He's kind of in a, maybe in a Crowell category as far as production, but I, you could do worse. I don't want to promote the guy too much because it's not great, but it's okay, right? Yeah, Cleveland's also pretty bad against the run. I mean, 733 yards allowed in six games, Mm -hmm. seven rushing TDs. Uh, Barber at least has a role in the passing game, too. Some weeks, I mean, he's got two, 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 and four for targets the last last four games. I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, okay, if it's another shootout, they showed us last week that they still don't really actually trust Ronald Jones. So Barber... As safe as Peyton Barber can be, I think that's where he's at again this week because the matchup is just that good. Okay. Agreed. All right, folks. Fantasy draft. We put players first. We've got super flexible lineups for the NFL. There's no kicker, thank goodness. And you can draft four running backs if you want. In the NBA, the lineups are even more flexible. You want five guards and two centers? No problem at all. Fantasy Draft has a $100,000 running gun weekly feature GPP with a $25 buy-in. It's got a $500,000 Fantasy Draft Championship, which gives $100,000 to first place. And weekly qualifiers happening now. That comes with the Week 16 final. There's rake-free head-to-head for contests under $200 or half the rake of the other guys uh, for the rest of the contests. And that means if you and a friend both enter $100 head-to-head, the winner gets $200. No rake, no fees, no nothing taken by Fantasy Draft. So... Sign up now at Fantasy Draft. Use referrer code ROTOWIRE, and you'll get, in addition to your deposit, a $4 GPP ticket just for, for joining up. So make your deposit at Fantasy Draft. Use referrer code ROTOWIRE, and that gets you a free $4 GPP ticket with your initial deposit. Fantasy Draft, we put players first. All right, Texans, Jags, Leonard Fournette uncertain, but we think, we kind of suspect he'll probably wait till after the buy, right? Yep, that's been my belief all along, and uh, unless that significantly changes by like them confirming prior to game time that he will start and have his regular role, I, I think he's kind of in a Delvin Cook situation and maybe a week or two behind Cook. Okay. I mean, Cook was starting to practice last week and he didn't play, so I just wonder if that's exactly where the Jags are right now. Right. Um, looking at Deshaun Watson, so um, chest rib injury last week, and he played – but he didn't run much against the Bills. And that limits him. Fantasy purposes especially. You know, I mean, the running is kind of essential to his value. Do you worry? Do you look at this matchup? If you're a Watson owner, I mean, it depends on who else you have. If you're a Watson owner, do you look at this? You go, all right, he's playing the Jags on the road. And their defense is really good. And he might not run. Do I want to avoid this? 
I am so confused by Jacksonville right now. Like they, I don't, I don't understand why. Like I know Bortles isn't good, but I also didn't think he was this bad. Um, Watson is a little scary to me, but in season-long situations, he's probably twelfth, fourteenth on the value meter instead of being like a like a top five sort of guy right now. Right. The offensive line play is, is a is a problem. He's getting blasted, and that's it's starting to break him down. Yeah, um, that, that's rough. I, I I have him. Let's see. I have him ranked. I think ninth. Actually, I have him fifteenth. Sorry. So that's that. The Rotowire projections have Deshaun Watson at fourteenth. So yeah, we're 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 looking at a sit. The Rotowire projections have him behind Stafford, Breeze, Luck, Wentz, Cousins, Brady. So uh, that's where you are. Um, Saints Ravens over under on this is fifty. That seems high. I see sort of a more, more of a defensive game here. Not not a. I know fifty is not what it used to be in the NFL. It's it it's not as it doesn't. It sounds high, but it's not. But I don't even think it gets there. Like I, I think this could be sort of a twenty-one seventeen type of game. Do you agree? Yeah, that's that's kind of the feel I get. I, with Baltimore, I think their defense is playing at a really high level. I mean, they're the best pass defense in the league as far as YPA allowed at six. So that the discounted Drew Brees and DFS is kind of a slippery slope for me. I'm still not sure what exactly I want to do with that arrangement. And the run defense for the Saints is surprisingly good. So it's going to force Baltimore to put the ball in the air. And I, as I looked at these matchups, I felt better about Baltimore's passing game overall than I think I ever have in the past, which is a weird feeling to have mm-hmm. confidence in Flacco and Michael Crabtree and, and John Brown and even Willie Sneed with, of course, the revenge game narrative. But he, he's getting pretty <laughs> stable targets every week as the slot guy. He is getting pretty stable targets. I agree. I mean, not, I mean, it's low ceiling, but um, yeah. So, what do you see about the other side of this one? Um, Ingram Kamara. So Ingram came back last game, and and he outsnapped Kamara, and people freaked out. What do you think we're going to see going forward? I think last year it was a share for a while, and then Kamara started overtaking him. It was a blowout, so maybe that's why Ingram got, against the Redskins. Maybe that's why Ingram got more work. What do you see happening? I think with Kamara, he's going to be extremely heavily involved in the passing game again in particular. I think that's where if the Saints are going to move the ball through the air. Creating a mismatch with Kamara is going to be a big part of how they do that. So I would not be worried at all based on last week's distribution about Alvin Kamara. Yep. Um, you're still good. You're still fired up about Ingram in this matchup? Yeah, Ingram's fine. I mean, I think he'll he'll get his usual share of the touches. Uh, you know, 14, 16 carries, and the game's going to be close. So that that bodes well for, for Ingram as well. All right. The Rotowire projections have Ingram at running back 13, by the way. So that's kind of that's aggressive, definitely. Cowboys Redskins. So this game, over under is 41.5, which is pretty low. Two bad offenses, two decent defenses. I mean, I look at this game and I go, Zeke, Adrian Peterson, maybe Jordan Reed, and maybe Chris Thompson if he's active, but he was limited on Wednesday. And it's pretty much, I mean, fantasy wise, there's there's not much to look at here, right? Yeah the the absence of Jamison Crowder and the light production from him this season, uh, he's iffy for this one. Like that's one of the surprises for me. Like I I was never the all in on Jamison Crowder guy. I just thought we'd be getting a lot more from him this season than we have so far. So I think I think you've got that that limited number of useful players narrowed down pretty good at this point. It's going to be pretty ugly. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Jocolytics. 
If you're looking for more success in daily fantasy football this season, let me introduce you to Jockalytics, the new platform designed to help you manage your daily fantasy play. Jockalytics analyzes contests across leading fantasy sites, applying your individual playing and bankroll preferences to find the best contest for you. And with Jockalytics notifications, you can relax knowing that you'll be the first to know when new contests are available. Spend more time playing and less time searching. Join now. Get free access to the entire Jockalytics product suite for October. That's Jockalytics, J-O-C-K, Jock, A-L-Y-T-Y-C-S, Jockalytics.com. Join now. Thanks, Jockalytics. Rams 49ers is next. Cooper Cup out. Is there a beneficiary to Cooper Cup's absence? Josh Reynolds, I think, from the direct opportunity standpoint. But I kind of wonder if, like, Cooks and Woods just get bumps up in targets. Reynolds gets maybe two-thirds of what would normally go to Cooper Cup, and the other third go to the other two guys. And is two-thirds of Cooper Cup worth having? Yeah, maybe in some leagues, but... Um, I'm kind of curious to see if Reynolds plays like outside and if they, they run Cooks out of the slot or how they tactically adjust, but it sounds like they're still going to use a lot of three-receiver sets. Yep. Um, by the way, Reynolds limited in practice on Wednesday due to a hand injury. Keep an eye on Probably be fine, but keep an eye on that. Um, Greg Zerline probably back this week for the Rams, by the way, if you're into kickers. Um, we talked about Mostert and Morris. We're not going to go back down that road in this game. Um, C.J. Beathard, not half bad as a fantasy quarterback. No, like there's actual tools there. And before that Jimmy G trade, that was their guy. Like that was the guy right. that they were looking at for the future. So uh, he's, I think he's at least good enough to keep guys like Goodwin and, and Kittle on our radar every week. And and that's that's good enough for me on a team that otherwise could be a total disaster. Like they're, they're at least producing. Right. All right. So we talked earlier about, you know, the defense versus position. Um, Chiefs have also been kind of bad versus tight ends. That brings C.J. Uzoma into the picture, who got, what, six catches last week. So if you're looking for a, a dart throw at tight end, uh, maybe if you have on the bye teams, Jared Cook out, maybe Vance McDonald, um, C.J. Uzoma could factor into this one here, right? Yeah, it just kind of seems like he's taken over that position. Um, I, I wasn't... I, I was a little surprised that he he got up to seven targets, but the snaps were there prior yep. to that happening. So there there was at least a warning that Uzoma had kind of taken over prior to the production breakout last week and getting another good matchup against the Chiefs. Gets the Bucks in week eight, too. Uh, it's probably going to be a multi-week stretch where Uzoma's involved. So the other side of this game, you, you look at it and you, you want to start everybody. You look and you say, well, Zoma and then, you know, Boyd and Green and Dalton and Mixon and, and Mahomes and Hill and, and Hunt and Kelsey. And then there's Sammy Watkins. What in the world? I, this guy is in this bonkers video game offense and he's just killing us. Like he just looked to be in this perfect landing spot. But you thought last year the Rams were the perfect spot the way they went. And like, oh, no, well, Goff didn't throw to one side of the field. So now Watkins comes here. Oh, boy, he's going to be great. What, what is it? What's going on? What do we just, I mean, you're not going to cut him, but I don't want to start him. You don't ever want to start him. He's annoying. He's so, there's, there's, it, he's, he's like the poor man's Amari Cooper. Maybe he's just the kind of guy that when you have bye weeks and injuries, you play him because there's, there's upside more than floor. You play him when you are an underdog in a season-long matchup, and you play him maybe as a, a tournament uh, path to cheap exposure to the Chiefs' offense because the big games have been pretty good. I mean, six for 107 targets in Week 2, five for 55 
a TD, eight targets in week three, six for 78, eight targets in week five against Jacksonville. But yeah, three for 21 on five. Uh, I think he left that Denver game early and played 12 snaps, didn't catch a pass there, one target, and then two for 18 on four against the Patriots in a game where both teams moved the ball very consistently throughout. Uh, I, I think it's just a, a high-variance player who, who's talented. He's in a good situation, but he's just not going to be steady week to week just simply based on the way they use him. It's annoying. I can't stand him at all. He's in my... Uh... Actually, I have him in fishbowl, and I have him in a, in a in my main MFL that I play with my friends, and he's just killing me. But that's he's like Sammy Watkins is a good example we talked about earlier, and it happened to me with Amari Cooper too. So maybe they're similar in this way, where you see something from a player, and you, you take the old Ron Chandler mantra of once a player displays the skills, he owns them. It's true to an extent, even in football, but situations change so much that the skills can be irrelevant very quickly mm-hmm. even if you're still fast and you still get open if you have other guys in your team that are faster who get open easier who fit the scheme even better then you being open doesn't matter as much because somebody else got open too or teams have figured a way to slow you down even though you had top end speed ones i mean there's lots of things that can can change maybe your quarterback in the case of Mari cooper is so bad that he's afraid to throw into tight windows and because he can't throw into tight windows you, as a skilled receiver, can't catch the ball on those passes because they're literally not being thrown there. All right. Let's go to Monday night, much as I hate doing it. Actually, for fantasy purposes, I do want to do it because it's pretty good. Um, Giants-Falcons. So, Tevin Coleman. Devontae Freeman's on injured reserve. Um, Ito Smith is, you know, he's, he's a thorn in Tevin Coleman's side for sure, but... Beyond that, before this year, Tevin Coleman had been good when Devontae Freeman was out. And when Devontae Freeman got hurt this year, it was like, okay, now we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna load up Tevin Coleman and play him. And he's just kind of not helping. Do you think this will I mean we're 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 six games in and he's had one that was productive. I mean, he got a couple of touchdowns in games that he just kind of didn't do anything else. Or, or, or is do you think this will check? Do you keep just trotting Kevin, Tevin Coleman out there? Don't you have to? I don't. I, I mean, in season long, you probably do because any back with a twelve touch floor in an offense that scores that many points is good enough to probably be in your lineup. I think the the way you use him in DFS might be changing. Uh, I think we got to wait at least one more week before writing it off. I mean, some of the defenses they've faced have been particularly good against the run. I mentioned the Saints earlier. That Week 5 Steelers game, Devontae Freeman was back for a little bit of that. Steelers have been pretty stingy this far. Uh, the Eagles in Week 1, they've ended up becoming one of the better fantasy defenses against the run or better defenses against the run on the year. So part of this is schedule, too. I mean, it's just the way it's kind of broken down. Um, so I, I'm not quite ready to give up based on the disappointment through the first six weeks. Missing against the Bucks is is the the one that bothers you the yeah. most because that's like that's the layup, right? You, you got to make that. Uh, but I still I look at Edo Smith. It's like okay, running behind the same line, running in the same offense, getting opportunities that aren't that different than what Tevin Coleman gets. Coleman's getting three point seven yards per carry. Smith's getting three point two. Right, is Edo Smith better? Like that's the other question to answer, and and I'm still not sure about that either. So until Smith looks better or until the coaches play Smith more than Tevin Coleman. 
I'm going to continue to assume that Coleman is the guy and can bounce back, but I might be a little more selective about how I use him, especially in DFS. All right. Um, the Rotowire projections have Coleman at RB12 and Smith at, R- at RB33 this week. Okay, so looking at the opponent here, the Falcons' defense is just, I mean, struggling, right? They're just hurt. They're banged up. We talk about it all the time. They're actually 31st in fantasy points per game against opposing quarterbacks. You know where I'm going here. Could you? Would you? If you had Ben Roethlisberger or if you were still using Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, could you go Eli this week as a plug-and-play? Mm, I guess I could because there's there's proof in the last few weeks that he can be useful. I mean, 326-2 and two against the Panthers, 297-2 and two against the Texans. So, yeah. I think there are situations where you're going to have to do it. And I I don't think I have him anywhere, so I'm not going to have that unless it's a waiver streaming situation. Um, yep. are, are you playing him anywhere? Not yet. <laughs> but I might. I think this is the kind of setup where it's like, if you can't play him here, you, you just never can play him. You can him. never play him. I agree. So, um, yeah. I actually think this is a... This just logically plays out as such a... I mean, every game does for Barkley, it seems like. But with with them struggling against uh, running backs catching the ball because there's basically the middle of their defense just got killed with injuries. Uh, you know, Barkley running over the middle should you, you know the, the dump offs and things like that. It should be it should be a big night. I think. I mean, I think this the over under here is what fifty four fifty five, and it sounds about right. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley is going to be like a hundred percent owned on the the showdown slate. All, all the single game DFS slates, right? Absolutely. He's going to be 100%. He really is. Why wouldn't he, right? Everyone's going to be like, you know what? I'd, I'll, I'll do something weird somewhere else. Barkley's in my lineup. <laughs> All right. What else you got going on? Uh, hopefully my golf lineup starts to, to play better. The, the Asian swing of the tour, which I'm not really familiar with until last week, is weird with tournaments starting on Wednesday because the time changed. But that, DFS hockey, DFS football, DFS everything at this point. Trying to uh, trying to adjust to several seasons all being in play right now beyond NFL. Nice. All right. It'll keep you busy. Keeps you learning, right? Yeah. All right. Folks, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial. Rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. So you can check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Um, leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always ask and we always appreciate when you do it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek and I will be back on Friday covering the post-practice news, injuries, etc. So come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.